Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. I am Frank, and I'm here with AJ. How are you? I'm doing very well, everybody. How are you guys doing out there? Hope they're all doing well. I'm doing well. Um, so it is uh, January, middle of January. Uh, we've kicked off the new year. We're on to new things. AJ, you recently took a surprise vacation. Where'd you go? I did. I've never taken a surprise vacation before. They are definitely the best kind of vacations. Um, so uh, we went down on a Royal Caribbean cruise to Nassau and to Coco Cay, which is part of the Royal Caribbean thing. Um, that was fine. That was all well and good. We were not on the cruise where the guy jumped from the 18th deck. Did you see this? No, I didn't. I'm sure you were probably very up to date yeah. on the cruise news. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I am hot on cruise news. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Uh, this was a great, you know, fun experience. I've never been on like a real American proper cruise before. I loved it. Um, thank you, Shana, so much. It was f really fantastic. Uh, but when we got back, Shana had planned enough time that we could go to the NASA, uh, Kennedy Space Center, uh, stuff, which I had never been to before and is very close to Port Canaveral and, and, uh, Cocoa Beach. Um, I had never been there before as a little kid. I can only imagine what it must have been like with the kind of technology we had back in the 90s. I don't imagine that it was very cool. I'm sure that you got to see very awesome astronauts, though, so I'm a little bit jealous of that. Uh, in retrospect, though, this new Kennedy Space Center needs to be talked about, and that's why I texted you from there when I was uh, experiencing this because <laughs> there's Walt Disney World podcast, there's Universal Studios podcast, there's podcasts and YouTube channels about extinct games, but I haven't heard anybody talk about how awesome the Kennedy Space Center is right now. Uh, so I want to take a few minutes just to do that. Why is it so awesome? Well, one of the things I think that is very vacant and missing from our, our lives is the space shuttle. There's no regular space program that is underway, you know, in our present minds uh, that is going on. So... We go through our day-to-day. -day. There's no space news. If there's any space news, it comes from the International Space Station, which has been up there for some time. We have no real conception of what it looks like because there isn't uh, a live feed with a picture of the space station that's showing you you know, where it is and, and all the ge geosynchronous stuff. So it's hard to kind of, I think, uh, in bring it together as a tangible concept in your mind, whereas... Now, NASA is about to launch a brand new space program that is super exciting. So Tell me about when, it. You, when you walk into Kennedy Space Center, it's beautiful. They have all the old rockets standing straight up so you could see kind of as they were going along from the Mercury to the Gemini to all of the different missions that they covered, how they evolved the rockets. But then you walk in a little bit further and there's all these different brand new exhibits. There's a Mars rover exhibit. I didn't go on that. There's an astronaut training course, which is really for little kids. It's kind of like a fast pass, uh, space camp. Then there is an awesome gift shop and there's two really awesome other parts. There's a fantastic IMAX theater, a true IMAX. Like we have at Lincoln center, oh, yeah. a little bit smaller, uh, really nice. And before they even show you the proper movie, they show you a trailer for the brand new space program, which ladies and gentlemen is called Orion. Oh my God. All of the astronauts have already been chosen. And so sorry, everybody. <laughs> if you're... So sorry, everybody. <laughs> However, uh, it is based on what's called the new SLS system. So NASA is going back to a system of capsules and rockets that are different from the shuttle that we're used to. And they're meant to launch this new Orion capsule, which is really nice, along with the other SpaceX capsules and other partnering corporations. It was the coolest shit you've ever seen. So pretty much the way that they're planning to do this is they're going to go straight back to the moon. There's going to be people on the moon in less than – in probably 18 months from now, there will probably be people on the moon. Just like like as like a trip or are they like having an extended stay? So it's going to be about a three-week three week trip back to the moon for the first stop to set up the infrastructure. Okay. And then most likely on the second or third trip, we're going to leave people up there for extended periods of time. Wow. Uh, then they're going to start to build the larger spaceship that is going to take people from Mars to the moon, from, from the moon to Mars. Okay. And this thing is huge and it needs to be big because it's going to go pretty fast and it's going to have to go all the way to Mars, which you can only do at certain periods of time. 
this is the coolest stuff I've seen in a long time. It's weird that like nobody really talks about it or it's really not being reported. Yeah. Uh, it, it's also moving incredibly slow. It's also totally fucking shut down. So you want to get it? Want to get a fucking crazy story? Listen to this. So how did we get to go to the Kennedy Space Center? Please tell. So for, so, th- so before we leave for the cruise, which was leaving on Friday, Shana and I went out for Cuban breakfast at a diner in Cocoa Beach, Florida. Our Uber driver on the way there is a furloughed QA specialist for NASA. He qualifies all of the different equipment before it goes on to the SLS system. And he's working as a part of this, but he's been furloughed for three weeks and is a fucking Uber driver right now. So Ugh, that's so this guy. So this guy is the man. We're talking to him. He's a veteran, and he's super sweet, really nice guy. And he told us, you know, hey, if you want to, uh, you know, uh, go to NASA on Monday, hey man, just you know, text me when you get back, and I'll give you some free tickets that I have. And we're like, really, no playing? And he's like, yeah, yeah. He, we got his number. We texted him Monday. Uh, he came and picked us up. Uh, and drove us to Kennedy Space Center, and then he drove us from there back to Orlando so we could catch our flight. We compensated him heavily for his uh, his helpfulness and you know his kind of his you know his position. But holy crap, you know you walk into this place; it's a miracle of what our government could do, and like the fact that it's all shut down right now is really upsetting. And that kind of came to a head again. When we were meeting with an astronaut, they just have astronauts there. That's the coolest part. Just hanging out. So they're just they're just there. So Barbara Martin, who went on a shuttle mission to go add on the big truss sections of the International Space Station, and is a uh, you know the robotic arm pilot, uh, is there hanging out. And how did she get to be there? She was Krista McAuliffe's backup for the Challenger mission, wow. and they didn't choose her. And ultimately, she got to go on, and uh, you know, she lived. Yeah, and of she went on to be an amazing uh, astronaut, and she was really amazing during the Q and A. And we're there, and one of the people who worked on the space shuttle that she flew up on, in a picture that they had, you know, showing the assembly, like she was saying, you know, everybody works on these. It's really hundreds of thousands of people who touch this. And there's a picture here's just a few spattering. There's a woman who was in that picture who was also furloughed from the government shutdown there with her friends to also get a little bit of love and, and, you know, see the space program and get inspired again. This place is fantastic. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, okay. It's great. (laughs) So here's where we get to the good stuff. So remember like all the fantastic movies you've seen at Cape Canaveral where you get to see what's called the VAB, the vehicle assembly building. This is the big, huge building. Okay. that they put the space shuttles in and all the different rockets and all that stuff. Yeah. You can't go there during the shutdown, so they drive you past it. Like, and that's where all the cool stuff is, guys, and we'll see you next time. And you could see the you could see the crawler though. That was super cool, the thing that moves the uh, you know, the space sh- space shuttle from the VAB to the launch pad. The launch pads are totally getting retrofit for the new SLS system. Uh, and probably my two most favorite parts of the exhibits were there's a full Saturn V Apollo rocket that they turned on its side and separated so that you could see all of the different stages of the rocket as it went to the moon. Incredible. Wow. You've, you have no concept of how big or ridiculous this thing is. It's the biggest machine that was ever known to man. It was the most powerful and fast device that's ever known to man still to this day. It's awesome. So were you, were you like able to take any pictures or they don't allow you? Oh, oh, totally. They let you take tons okay. of pictures. They want it's it's propaganda. So <laughs> you go and uh, the limb is there and what's super awesome is the limb is suspended because you can't actually put the limb the lunar module on the ground because it would collapse under its own weight mm-hmm. because it's so fragile. Uh, it's just it's just absolutely incredible. So the, finally and the last thing that, you know, uh, we got to do is the Atlantis exhibit, which is the space shuttle exhibit that they just finished building. This thing is incredible. It's so impressive to see close up what the space shuttle was and what it was used to do. And kind of the, 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 the arc is complete of the space shuttle. I remember watching like a Nick news, like space program Linda 80s video, <laughs> Linda Ellerby talking about how the space shuttle was going to build the International Space Station. This has never been done before. And then once we got here, then we could go on to other planets and do things. Well, all that time has fast-forwarded, and we are now here. 
and you get to experience the whole breadth of the space of the space shuttle and what it was like to uh, use and see. And it's just incredible. So I, I want to say that if you do go on a vacation to Orlando and, you know, you've been to Disney, you've been to Universal and you're thinking, oh, you know, if we go to Kennedy Space Center, it's not going to be what I want. It's not going to be fun for me. It's not going to be cool. Stop. It is absolutely the best thing uh, there right now. They've taken a lot of cues from Disney. So a lot of the cues and lines and the, you know, the, the wait inside pre-ride version of the thing is very is done very nicely. So it's it's a museum, but it's very approachable. And the docents are extremely knowledgeable and all you know, worked on all of the different pieces of equipment all the way through. I highly, highly recommend it. Go make this a part of your next Florida vacation. That's that's awesome. You know, like I said, I would love to see some pictures. I think it would be really cool. Um, I huge, huge space fan. It is like one of those things that I find to be such a shame that in the past, like, I don't know, decade, maybe a little less, just seems like things have been like slowly slowing down and there's just so much out there that it's a shame that we're not really exploring. But it, it is reassuring to hear that there's a lot of stuff being done. It's just not getting the attention it deserves. Oh, but it will when it gets here. When they start, they're going to do the first manned mission of the Orion in 2020. And that'll be a new stage in spaceflight. And it'll be covered in a way that we didn't experience before. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and especially, and what they kind of said there and what I thought was pretty reassuring there are there's more corporate involvement than there was in the 60s. You know, even though Boeing did build the early parts of, you know, certain parts of the space cast, capsule and you have Grumman and, you know, Lockheed Martin, they were all involved. Now you have companies like Blue Horizon and SpaceX and Dragon that are coming in that are a part. But something that everybody said was as soon as it gets to pe putting people in space, we go to NASA. Yeah. And, and to me, that's like really, really reassuring. I trust them. You know, they have a pretty good track record. And uh, I want to see what they can do next. That's awesome. Um, very cool. So speaking of uh, space, um, there's some news dropped the other day that uh, Netflix and uh, the, the guys from The Office, Greg Daniels and Steve Carell, are producing a workplace comedy about Space Force. Um, I read this and I thought this was a brilliant idea. I think it is so perfectly timed and on the nose um i mean i i love the office but i love like other workplace comedies like parks of rec and brooklyn 99 like the, i just think that this is this has the opportunity to, especially since it's on netflix like they have the opportunity to do a lot of really fun stuff and and poke fun at this like idea of you know well space force is something we don't really understand what it is but he this is a story of the people that are uh you know trying to figure it out um I don't know. I, I think uh, it's crazy that this 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 thing exists. Space Force, like, you know, this sixth arm of the U.S. military or whatever it is, but uh, or will exist potentially. What do you What do you think about this? Would you watch it? Yeah, I okay. So I'm not the hugest Office person. I do. I have appreciated certain episodes. I've seen certain cultural references, and I know kind of most of the characters. But I'm not a big Office guy. I I would watch this though. I do love Steve Carell. I love everything he does, and I'm down to uh, explore, explore what he's going to do with this. I think that, you know, Netflix, you know, they produce really digestible content, and I think that, you know, to go for uh, uh, Steve Carell is, is a big get for them, and uh, I'm good on him. I'm down to watch. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, maybe in my mind I have a different idea of what it would be. I, I don't think it would necessarily be The Office – exactly because they've done that and there was a uk version and i don't know if you would have him basically playing michael scott i think it would be totally different but um i don't know i think it's a really good concept and like especially because the space force stuff is only going to continue to be in the news so you know they can kind of play off of that and you know trump can bash them from twitter and they can respond and it'll be great Oh uh, no! I totally think it's a it's going to be relevant. You know, that's a whole new level of of craziness. Like, the fact that he doesn't understand that that we have this whole space program going to the moon like is a little sad. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like uh, that was something that was very you know apparent that he just has no involvement with this. You know, the nerds have kind of quietly and carefully 
shut him out, you know, even though they're shut down, but he's not, you know, he, he's just so ignorant. He doesn't understand it. So, you know, it, 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 I think space force is a perfect way to, you know, showcase where we could be in 10 years. And maybe that's what the jokes will be about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, so moving right along, we apparently have a new ghostbusters film. Um, there was not only the announcement of this film, but also a teaser video. And, um, I don't think anyone really saw this coming, uh, but it is set in the universe of the original two films, not the one that came out, uh, three years ago. AJ, excited, not excited. I have so many, so many, so many thoughts. Conflicting thoughts, I'm sure, too. Uh... No, uh, not conflicting at all. Uh, okay, so here's where I'm going to start. I, too long, didn't read. I want to see this movie. Um, I think that... I'm, I'm so sorry I'm saying um, everybody. It's Jason okay. Jason Reitman has such a great track record for producing and directing movies. Juno, uh, the uh, other films that he's done with Charlize Theron are, are both fantastic. I really love the one with Patton Oswalt. I think it's called Young Adult. I, I, I love that movie. I think that he has a really good knack for picking great projects. I always thought it was really weird that he wasn't attached to the 2016 Ghostbusters, uh, and why wouldn't he want to be involved? Then you can kind of go back a little bit further, and in that you see, one, that he had previously said that he makes smaller movies. He doesn't think he could do something as epic as Ghostbusters because of his dad. And then, two... Jason Reitman is the little kid in Ghostbusters 2 who is telling the Ghostbusters they're full of crap. He's also on the original set of the first Ghostbusters as the little kid, arguably the first Ghostbusters fan. Seriously, yeah. There's nobody I want to see return to this franchise more than the Reitmans. You know, Ramus really is probably the number one that's just not going to happen anymore. Yeah. Uh, But the Reitmans, I think, brought a level of like, okay, we're going to take this goofy comedy. We're going to make this into a movie. It's going to be very presentable. It's going to be funny. And we're going to do this. And it's going to be great. Okay. Let's I, also I talk- presume you, you watched the, the teaser, right? I totally watched the teaser. The, it's a little bit uh, unsettling that we're making teasers and they haven't shot probably one goddamn slice of film for this shit at all. Yeah. But, but I can understand why they would do it and why they would want to do it in this way, especially when they don't have to do any, uh, talent and they can just bring back the car is because this shows the fans right from the get-go oh no this is it this is what you wanted shut up there we're going back right and that's what they needed to do yeah and and we get a date ish summer 2020 right that's yeah so you know they have it's interesting because i mean at this point in my mind you would think he'd have a pretty good sense of the script right it's not like oh i'm just gonna start now like if they're gonna make it for it to come out sometime oh, no. next summer this is a this is okay so l- let's talk about this did you get a chance to watch that youtube video i posted to the page i did not not yet okay oh man okay so this guy is is a og ghostbusters fan an og youtube film critic he took he was one of the first guys to take a lot of flack on line for not reviewing ghostbusters 2016 because he hated it he has very strong feelings about it. He's also documented the history of Ghostbusters 3 for a long time. So I think he gets kind of a pass. I think that looking back, you know, on this film, we're going to critique it as a Sony picture that it was something that was pushed through the studio system for the benefit of making money. And while the idea may have been noble, there is no other reason to make this film other than to make money. And and that's like the full hard stop of doing it, of doing the version that they did. They didn't do a new version of the Ghostbusters that was really uh, far off from what they did. They didn't tackle a new villain or a new plot that was very different from the original Ghostbusters, similarly to Ghostbusters 2 even. But like this movie didn't move the plot forward. Ghostbusters 3 has the ability and the way of, similarly to Force Awakens, to reinvigorate this franchise and to do it in a way that's going to totally work and benefit them. And before we go any further, I just want to go back, go watch this video on our, on our page. It's worth your time. Uh, The main arch nemesis of Ghostbusters three has, and will always be Dan Aykroyd. 
<laughs> now, we may love Dan- Danny Aykroyd, and he is a fantastic blues brother. He's a great Hollywood personality, but he's kind of a fucking nut job. And he's out there promoting his cryptozoology and his aliens and his ghosts. Uh, but he's also been trying to get Ghostbusters 3 going because this is his cash cow, and, and no one's going to take that away from him. Okay, fine. So the earliest rumblings of a Ghostbusters 3 come in the uh, early 2000s, which was probably the only time they really could have done it. Uh, the original script at the time was, and you can watch this video. I'm, cite, I'm citing this guy here, so I'm not ripping him off, but for your benefit, I'm going to paraphrase. There was an original script for Ghostbusters 3. It was going to be... Uh, man Helton, so it was that the Ghostbusters got teleported to an alternate version of Manhattan that is in hell. Uh, there was also some versions of the script that included Bill Murray as a ghost. Yep. Uh, and that's kind of how that stayed for, you know, a few years, uh, probably right up until uh, Harold Ramis dying. So it kind of went back and forth in development. All of the cast always, you know, was very, uh, besides for Bill Murray, was very happy to speak about it and say they would absolutely return. Even Rick Moranis, who is more selective than he is retired in, in a sense. Yeah, he's mostly retired in a way. Yeah, so now, uh, you know, after uh, Harold Ramis has, has died, you know, it's clear that, you know, Dan Aykroyd has seen what a reboot is and feels that a reboot is the best way to go. But his original plan with Sony, and I and I'm pretty sure this was his game plan from the from the get go. And I would love to ask him this question if it was ever possible. <laughs> was did you want to do Ghostbusters three in the deal for Ghostbusters 2016? And there's press online that says he had that. So this more is less of a surprise to me than I think it would have been had I not known that uh, and not been following it so closely because I am such a fan. I love Ghostbusters. Why do I love Ghostbusters now even more so than anything? It's because I, I, when I loved it when I was a little kid. My nephew is five. He loves the Ghostbusters right now. He doesn't know why he loves the Ghostbusters. <laughs> He's never seen the Ghostbusters. There's no Ghostbusters cartoon for him to watch. But he fucking loves the Ghostbusters. So, you know, I got him the Ecto-1, and I, he has a Mr. Stay Puff, and they called the, uh, the Gozer Dogs or the Zool Dogs terror dogs now terror dog. <laughs> uh so and you know he he loves this shit he has no idea why he's never seen the original but there's no guns it's traps they're not killing you can't kill a ghost like it's yeah. it's kind of a safe property and and i i think that now they've seen that the toys still sell that people still love this movie and that you know if you if you pay bill murray enough money he could show up in some way, and if he's a ghost, he's a fucking ghost. Sure. So, okay, we- questions. Um, it, well, yes, I, I think you're right in that Ghostbusters can be and has been a family-friendly franchise, the three Fs, and um, I, I think they have the potential to to really sell it to a, a brand-new audience because there, there's got to be, you know, even – even kids that are like half our age, not not even you know your five year old nephew that probably haven't seen or know much about Ghostbusters, and I. So my question, I guess, more is, this is supposedly going to be set just like in universe, but like pretty much the same amount of time in the present day has passed. So you know, if it about thirty years roughly, or maybe a little less, um, presumably we have a new cast of characters, passing of the torch, like. Do we get the, you know, as many of the original cast in there to, to pass that torch along? Or are we going to have to kind of, uh, you know, latch on to new characters and, and see them through? Because, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is, like you said, Bill Murray is going to be very expensive. And he's going to be probably the one that's going to be hardest to get. How likely do you think this is going to happen? I, uh, okay. I love you, and, and I'm sorry to our fans, but I'm going to spoil the movie for you right now because I don't have very much faith in Sony, but I know what's going to happen. So they're not going to get Bill Murray back in a big way. It's not going to be marketed with Bill Murray, but he will have a cameo as a ghost. Harold Ramis will also be dead, but he won't be a ghost for some reason, and that will be confusing. Uh, however, maybe they will need to resurrect Venkman for some particular reason, and that will be a plot line. Sure. But you will absolutely have Aykroyd. You will absolutely have new Ghostbusters. Uh, and you will absolutely have supporting cast. I think 
you'll definitely have Sigourney Weaver. You'll definitely have somebody playing Oscar, I think, the grown-up baby. The, yeah, the kid, uh, sure. Uh, I, I think you'll have a lot of returning people. They want to do right by this franchise, and I think that by bringing Jason Reitman on, they know that they have this. It also looks to me that Dan Aykroyd was tweeting back at Jason Reitman in a way that was like, he was like, if you need somebody to fix it, you know, let me know. Uh, in, re in reference to the 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 Ghostbusters Ecto One, which is strange, so I, I got to believe that Dan Aykroyd is involved in this from the get go. I think he's getting paid on this in the back end somehow. I just don't know yet. So okay, now my next series of questions. So if in 2016 we had the uh, reboot, the the kind of um, reimagining of of Ghostbusters, and you had kind of the um you know top female comedians or co comedic actors from you know basically snl cast uh of the current day who and, and you know they don't necessarily have to be from snl or anything like that but who would you like to see at, like to to lead the cat uh the the series into the future whether it's, I mean, I, personally, I think it doesn't need to have, be all male, right? I think that that's for, for sure. I think they could certainly mix up the team. Well, um, okay, so here's where, here's, okay, yes. I do think that it will be a mixed team, but I also think that this is part of a larger plan and they're going to tie into the original, not the original, but the 2016 Ghostbusters because I'm sure all of those actresses are on contract for a sequel and they teased Zool at the end of the movie. So my first thinking is that we're going to get back. We're going to see the new, this other Ghostbusters reality that takes place in the original Ghostbusters timeline. It's going to cross over with the girls at some point, And then we're going to have that kind of a movie, too, because Sony figured out that they could do that. And hey, that's yeah, a plan. They just did Spider-Verse, so they can certainly make a Ghostverse. They could totally make a Ghostverse, and that was always in the plan from day one. It was just a matter of time of letting you reset your brain to say, oh, I love Ghostbusters again. Why do I love Ghostbusters again? Oh, yeah, that's why I love Ghostbusters. And, like, th they did it so perfectly. They got the member berries so right. And I'm down to see it, and I'm down to go watch it the same way I watched the last one. And, you know, yeah. I, uh, I, the only thing that's so unfortunate about Ghostbusters 2016 is how ridiculously similar it is and the unfortunate cameos because to see your heroes who you know are from this universe not paid the correct respect or paid homage to in the in a, in a, in a proper way is wrong and yeah like why did they have to have I, I appreciate that they had the actors there but why couldn't they have been their characters why did they have to just make them random it's that really Rubbing it's also th it's also three little things. It's really it's really that you tweak that, you know, uh it's it's really not that many it's not that many story not that many plot points like to to fix this. And I think that New York City is a city that forgets, you know, men in black happens, there's neuralizers like it's in the city that never sleeps. Shit <laughs> happens, people move on, people move away. They don't remember ghosts. Like that's fine. Like we can Okay, sure. so I'm down to see it. I want to go. I'm, I'm definitely in. Uh, I don't want to follow the development of this movie the way that we followed Ghostbusters 2016. So as soon as I followed all of those Ghostbusters hashtags and things a few weeks ago, I am now done, and I won't be following them anymore yeah. because this movie deserves our respect and love and the love that Star Wars got to go off on its own and figure out what it's going to do and what it has to say. This uh, Movies have to say something. And yes. then come and then come back. Yep, uh, I'm I'm interested to hear about official casting. I'm interested to hear about uh, you know a potential title. I'm interested to hear about the first trailer. You know, and then we'll see from there. Like, I I, I want to follow the movie in 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 a way, but I don't want to like. I I because I think because this franchise has been through through so much over the years of like, well, what's gonna happen like. You know, just because they've officially announced it, like the way things have gone, like it could fall apart. You never know. But uh, I, I don't. Okay, they're tied now to the trailer. I'm sorry. Sure. There's a di there's a difference when you don't do a trailer. If you don't do a trailer, 
you're safe. All right. You know, and there's, you know, a lot of fake trailers out there that'll have you believe that were that canceled projects, you know, ended up being different movies and, and it's just not the case. Yeah. Uh, what ends up happening is when you make a trailer, you have a pretty good idea. You have a visual palette. You probably have a, a effect scene that you're using as a reel to inspire people to watch the movie. You know, I'm sure that this was part of that reel. And that there's more to it than we know about. And it yeah. starts in upstate New York at a farm. I'm fucking down. Yes. <laughs> like, I, like that, that's what's great about the teaser. It, it asks more questions than it provides answers. Totally. And gets you intrigued. It's like, well, why is it here? Why is everything, you know, nowhere near New York City? Like, what is, why is it under a, why is the, uh, the Ecto-1 under a sheet? Like, why has it been... How is it going to run? Like, all these things. Like, and who's tinkering? Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Um, okay, so moving on to our next topic. Um, another, like, actually bigger real trailer dropped this week uh, for Spider-Man okay. Far From Home. Um, you know, while whether we wanted the trailer or not, um, it's been kind of out there in the ether for a while because I think it, um, it aired at brazil comic-con a couple of weeks ago or something like that it was supposedly gonna drop back when um the end game trailer dropped and um you know i think a little bit more time uh since that is was probably good for it um there's no way that we could have made it to you know may 1st without a trailer for this movie so that's kind of the one thing that we could have made it we could have made it to march we could have made it to march but it, it really doesn't matter. I think it would have looked the same. It, we would have still uh, been given the same information and, um, you know, had the same questions. Like, regardless, Spider-Man in Infinity War is gone. And so he's here. Nick Fury's here. Like, he's back on Earth. All, the, all those questions, like, would have been the same in March as they are now. Um, we still wouldn't have known the end result from Endgame. So, anyway... Uh, I think the trailer looks pretty cool. Um, I like the kind of globe-trotting adventure that they're setting up. Um, Tom Holland is always super likable, of course. Um, and then uh, you've got like a mix of questionable villains. You've got these uh, characters that look like it might be Sandman or some sort of not Aquaman, but you know, water. Hydro Man. Hydro Man, that's right. Um, and they've thrown around the, the term the elementals before. And then um, Mysterio, which I think we can get to in a minute. But anyway, what was your initial takeaway from the trailer? Uh, why? Uh, but mostly um, <laughs> mostly it was it was positive. You know, I like Tom Harland. Uh, I like the B.F. Parker. Fucking yes. Uh, and or on the suitcase, BFP. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've been dying to see Jake Gyllenhaal in the suit. That's really what I've been trying to see. You know, Jake Gyllenhaal has been circling the drain on being some spandex wearing superhero man. And he's finally is one. And he picked a fucking good one. He did. Uh, he picked a fucking great one. And I think that this is going to be a really interesting role for him and he's going to play it in a way that we haven't seen a villain in the MCU before. And I'm very, 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 very excited. Uh, I can't wait. I, I think that, you know, his level of acting and gravitas and the costume and kind of the angle that you can see. And I think that they're alleging in this trailer is that, you know, maybe it's not Hydro Man. Maybe it's uh, not Hydro Man. Right. Yeah. Maybe, you know, so it's a, uh, we're going to see who it is. So yeah. I'm, I'm 100% pumped. I, I appreciate the fact that Marvel in the MCU with Spider-Man is taking their time with the villains. You know, we only saw really, uh, you know, Myster uh, Mysterio in this, in this, in this trailer. So uh, if there are other villains, it will be a nice surprise to see them when they arrive. Sure. Yeah. And I think with Mysterio, there's kind of a couple different angles that they might go. It's like, is he not really bad or is he not bad at the beginning of the movie? Kind of like the same path that maybe they, they took with um, Tombs, uh, Vulture in the first one. Um, because, again, when you do that, you develop your character way more than them just being a bad guy because they want to be bad. And so if, if they give him more 
things to do and and some reason why he has a personal vendetta against Spider-Man, it's more interesting. And if there's more strings kind of being pulled behind the scenes, even even better. Um, uh, so, yeah, we, we have Nick Fury. Um, yeah, Nick Fury in, in the MCU in another Spider-Man movie is good. It's it. The absence of RDJ in this trailer is huge. It's just not as light. They have really tied, maybe tied themselves into a pole here with yeah. how much Iron Man has been in the past few Spider-Man movies. And to have this absence would be like if you if fucking Alfred died. You know, like, if you're going to have a relationship with another character that is really set up to be mentor-mentee and you follow it through three movies now yeah you know depending on what happens in endgame you know and I, I think we all probably know where it's gonna go but if uh you know if tony doesn't survive this and spider-man has to be spider-man either in an alternate reality without tony or is or is spider-man without tony now like that's gonna be a big change in this yeah. movie universe and, and it will change the dynamic of the of the, of the film for sure yeah and it's, it is really interesting and obviously the way that they they could do the magic of cutting the 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 scenes in whatever way they want, but you know you have Happy. I think there's something with with the check that he has. It's signed by Pepper. I think there's like some construction maybe on Avengers Tower. Like all these things that are and like someone saying uh, I think it might have been Happy or or maybe Nick. I can't remember that you're all alone. Like there's something going on, and I think the fact that this is the first film to kick off Phase Four is really important. Um, kind of like teasing along that things are different. Um, I, you know, it, they they have confirmed that this takes place after Endgame, but like I also couldn't. There could be some reason like this is like in a pocket dimension or something, and that some this is all happening in some other world far from home. Oh, no, we are definitely listen. We don't know the full repercussions of this. That's why it's confusing to see it, and I think yeah. that the powers for Mysterio at this point you know, only makes sense in a world where, you know, there's Doctor Strange and other characters that wield these kind of crazy, magical, technological, wondrous powers. And if we're going to play in that universe, you know, they know how to tie that all in and make that fit. So, yeah, you know, I'm down to see it, but yeah. I, I got to say, I, I bet I'm not thrilled with Sony's decision to do this. I think it would have been okay if they played along. Spider-Man would, especially after the success of Spider-Verse, yeah. would not have done poorly at the box office. And I think that they should have relied more heavily on the marketing for the character and played into the fun yeah, and not jumped the gun. But that's just me and you that's know, the world we live in. And it's interesting because like this will be the third MCU movie in 2019, um, similar to last year where we had uh, – Black Panther in in February and then Infinity War and then Ant-Man and the Wasp in July. There was nothing in the fall. So this is kind of the same exact format. Like, why couldn't they have had this movie in, like, November or October where they, they could have given the distance and we wouldn't have known the, uh, you know, the, the results of, of Endgame until, you know, April and then they could start marketing Spider-Man. It's a little yeah. unfortunate, but, um, you know, maybe in hindsight, I could, go ahead. I could also see if Tony isn't going to show up, I could definitely see uh, old B-Batch showing up. Uh, I think Benedict could make Ooh. an appearance as Doctor Strange. That's actually uh, very interesting because, you know. He's an English actor. They shot a lot of this movie in England. Like, I think that he's a character who can show up in this now if well, we're not going to have Iron Man. And with Infinity War, you have like that trio of characters were together on yeah. on, on the mm -hmm. ship. So, you know, passing of the torch in a way to his next mentor. Because like, honestly, what they've shown, Peter doesn't seem all that distressed of what, but that all may be because he doesn't know what happened. There may be, there may be in some reality where the Avengers didn't no, exist anymore. He can't know what happened because old Peter died. That universe has ended for him. Uh, so we have to bring him back and see what happens. And it's just not connected right now. Sure. Um, okay, next. Next, next, next. All right, so um, there's a new film coming out called oh, Glass. Oh, and uh, you and I both had not really 
know much about it or the previous films up until recently. It's, you know, uh, now part of a three-movie film universe by M. Night Shyamalan, which started with Unbreakable back in, what, 99, 2000, and then surprising everyone, um, Split, uh, which came out, what, 2016, 2017? Um, 2016, I think. It is now in-universe, and now we have this film, Glass, coming out. So we wanted to kind of, because, especially because it's uh, a very different take on superheroes than the MCU or DC films, um, that we wanted to, to do a little study on this. And, you know, we both have seen the, the original two films now um, and are looking forward to Glass. And we're going to go see Glass in the next couple of days, week or whatever. And then we'll do a discussion on Glass. Um so it's interesting, especially because um, the twist or one of the twists from obviously spoilers here for both of those films, because there's really no way to discuss them without yeah, totally it at this point. Yeah, totally going to be spoiled, spoiled, uh, totally going to be spoiled. Totally spoiled. The, one of the major twists of Split was that it was in universe with Unbreakable. <laughs> you know, that's kind of the, the thing. And so for me, I... I watched it last night. I watched Split last night. Um, for me, watching Split all the way through, I knew Unbreakable and all the events of that and how the things and the dialogue that, that they were talking about throughout the film makes more sense to me than I think it would have made to an everyday viewer that didn't know it was connected to Unbreakable. Sure. Um, but that being said, uh, I, I'm sure there are probably people out there that really love his films and would have gone back and watch it anyway. So, um, I think we start with Unbreakable. Uh, I watched it last week. You watched it last night. Um, what did you think? I loved it. I had never seen it. I'd only heard about it. I kind of knew the ending of like who Glass was, but I was really excited to play along for the ride and see Bruce Willis and see this beautiful cinematography I loved the dialogue. I thought it was, you know, almost on the level of like the Dark Knight of how meta it was being with the genre in that we are really breaking it down. We're breaking down what it means to be a hero, why you're a hero, how do you find a hero, you know, what does it take, how, how do we define that these days? And I think Bruce Willis really plays it in this uh, really fantastic way in, in being very subtle in that you really don't feel like he's pursuing this in the beginning uh, at all. You really feel like he's just a part of this ride and never really recognized these patterns or ideas, and he's never put this together until right now. Uh, and that is really exciting to see if you watch it the first time. The twist at the end of Unbreakable is a little bit thrown together. I, I don't think that it really comes together as well as some of his other twisty, twisty endings. Yeah. But I did enjoy it, and I do appreciate that it is a superhero movie, but it's not a mainstream superhero movie. It's off the beaten path. It's not shiny colors and neon, except for really glass, which is kind of cool. But the it feels so grounded and feels so real, and you're so along for the ride i i i it really i struggle to find anything wrong with this movie yeah yeah i agree I, I think again a movie that came out almost 20 years ago it's hard to not know the twist um you know when i watched it i knew that mr glass was or uh was playing him the entire time or, or that 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 was the twist and um i i like that it was so grounded and that even throughout like most of the movie you're like well is he re does he really have superpowers like it, it's very kind of subtle in that like it's all very circumstantial and subtle and um but i i like the idea that there's like uh two ends of the spectrum that like because mr glass exists that uh david dunn needs to exist and that they they play off of each other um that that their their powers are kind of 
connected or you know their their abilities or the way that their bodies are structured is like really it's not even powers right it's just like he's super strong he's super weak and that and that's kind of it but he's more of a mental villain than than he is a, a physical villain and well um, he explains it in the he his mother actually explains it in the movie exactly he's the the arch nemesis the thinking villain that, exactly you know they're plotting they're you know, disrupting. And that, and that's something that I'd never, you know, sort of thought about that. There really are two different kinds, you know, there's your crossbones, but there's also your Baron Zemo. Exactly. There's your Joker, but then there's also your, you know, uh, Scarecrow, Skid Row or, uh, you know, death shot or, you know, you know, there's, there's always your kind of your hand to hand and your, Thank you, thank you, villain. And I appreciated that. Yeah. I appreciated uh, Samuel L. Jackson getting to say some great dialogue. It felt a little reminiscent of uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino, uh, Sam Jackson, where he gets to say these really long, flowery monologues. Yes. Kind of go on for a while, and I always appreciate that. Uh, always reminds me a little bit of Robbie Cavoris. Uh, and <laughs> it's, it's fun. So for those two reasons alone, like, I'm down. I, it's interesting to see how this movie aged, and I think it aged pretty well. Uh, it's interesting that it came out before 9-11. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I think you're right. Um, it, it does have a, a bit of a timeless quality to me. Um, you know, I think the thing about right. that time period, it's not that long ago, but, you know, it's like they clearly don't have cell phones. They don't have um, the Internet at their fingertips, but like they're, you know, it's modern day enough to, that it feels relevant still. And it doesn't feel dated. Um, but, uh, yeah, like the, the, some of the ideas, especially like the fact that, uh, David Dunn is like a security guard at this, this, um, sporting venue where there's, you know, possibly he's like protecting everything, like oh he's just like eyeballing somebody some guy that he thinks might have a gun it's like yeah that that era is long gone like the, <laughs> you can't just walk into a, a venue without going through a metal detector anymore so like um that that's interesting um but yeah i mean i it, it was a, a fun movie um it, it's interesting that it ends the way it does where um it's not quite it, it, it's kind of abrupt in a way, you know, it's like, Oh, you're, I've been playing with you this whole time and I caused all these incidents and blah, blah, blah. And then he just gets arrested and then the movie ends, <laughs> you know? Um, well, it's, it's two things. First of all, it's realistic. There isn't a big fight. There's no, you know, good versus evil standoff. There is reality that yeah. if there's evidence that this guy had done this in the back of his comic book shop, you know, that he's not necessarily hiding like, Let's go get that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, let's go deal with this. To me, that felt very grounded. It also felt very earnest to be like, no, like, we're not going to handle that in this big punching kind of a way. Like, we can handle this, uh, you know, uh, in, in this way. And then this part really fucks me up. This is one of the very few superhero movies where the villain he doesn't get away with it, but he totally fucking does some horrible shit. And he kind of gets away with it to the extent that there's nothing that, you know, Dunn can do to stop him at all. No. Yeah. I mean, he, everything that he wanted to do, he did. He caused the, the train incident. He caused the, the car accidents and the, and, and the damage and all these people died. And really at the end of it all, he was just manipulating Dunn to like, understand who he is and and it's it's really twisted um like you know it almost like seems like he maybe was writing this story and this idea and you know he was writing a comic book about it all um but no he totally won and, and it's it's definitely like the fact that he goes to jail at the end is like okay well whatever i did i achieved yeah, what i wanted he... to who cares um all right and then i guess the only other thing to me like the the big memorable uh, seek. Well, there are like two. I, I think there's a really cool sequence where um, Don is with his kid, and they continue to the weightlifting. The weightlifting that was real. That's like when you realize, okay, actually, it's not just in his head. Like there is something about this guy that's special. 
Um, and then the the fight sequence with uh, the guy in the orange suit and when he, like, rescues um, the, the kids because the, he, the, the guy in the orange suit is a... He killed the parents, and he's like living in this house. Um, and and, oh, and the other thing, like Dunn has this this power that like he could touch people, and he can see past crimes that he's done. Uh, so like there for are for a moment, for a moment, let's break down his powers. So he's yeah. super strong. Yep. He has the you know psychic ability to uh, tell about people and feel their past or their recent present right like yeah. is that what we would describe it as it, and then he yeah because yeah, okay. like he i mean he can it's definitely when the, when he touches them he has some sort of uh knowledge of what they've done in the past but like i don't think it's a coincidence that he knew that that guy had a gun he didn't touch him he just i think he has a some sort in of the, sense in right? the way that bat in the way that batman knows he's a bad guy because he's a bad guy like, like a spider sense cut, too right like a, no, but th- see, that's where that's where I think you, me, and you are making a differenti- differentiation. I'm saying it could be a spider sense. You just said it's more of a maybe he knows it because he knows this guy and he's like a smart security dude. Mm. And like, so like, there's a way that maybe it's kind of both. Maybe it's like a heightened level of understanding, but it's also he's been a security dude and he he does that. Yeah, he's also never been sick. He can't get injured. Uh, they never he never gets shot, but the son was gonna try to shoot him, so we don't really know if if he was. That part was that part was probably my favorite part of the movie. That was uh, so intense. Um, and for, unfortunately, that little kid is a shit actor. So like, it sucks <laughs> that like you have fucking Haley Joel Osment in the immediate before him giving this <laughs> kick-ass performance, gets fucking nominated for an a- Oscar, and then this kid fucking sucks. So interesting uh, thing about that, though, this kid has grown up to become an actor, and I think he is in Glass. Oh, so, uh, really? Yeah. Um, I don't know if we're getting Robin Wright, though, which is kind of unfortunate. Like, I'm sure there's going to be – because obviously a big part of the story of Unbreakable is um, the the relationship with his wife and, and the way things are starting to fall apart, but maybe getting back together and um, – I, I, I can see it written off in a couple of lines of dialogue at the beginning that, you know, she's off. It didn't work. It didn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Okay. So I think Unbreakable, you know, it's earned its kind of little place in like niche and kind of superhero movie history. It's kind of like the crow in some ways. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a mainstream superhero, but it's still like a really a good movie and a good, uh, it's good for the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, the superhero movie I didn't really know was a superhero movie until a post-credit scene uh, is Split, which I don't really think is the superhero movie at all. It's kind of a, it's kind of M Night Shyamalan's return to the horror aspect. Yeah, it you know, it's definitely to me it's more thriller than horror, but that's because I don't really love horror movies, and you know I actually enjoyed this one, and I didn't find it to be like a whole lot of jump scares or anything. It was definitely more of a mental game. Totally, well. it's a it's a it's a shining movie. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so highs and lows. What did you think? Um, James McAvoy, outstanding. Like yeah, he's it, a it, fucking great actor. It, dude. His performance throughout the movie is just like it, it continued to surprise me at every turn. Just how he can on a dime change from character to character. Like it. He's so charming. He's so uh, it's so effortless for him to do this. Yeah, and I think that he really he he plays this character really well. Yeah, um, I mean, it, I would, you feel that there are different characters. You can see when he moves from each one, and like, yeah, that that's impressive to me. Like, it's not just like, oh, I'm playing this character. I'm playing twenty four characters, right? Yeah, and he's really selling it, and you know the way his, his body is ridiculous in this movie. Yeah, uh, he's he's great, man. Like, th- I think this is one of his. One of his better movies, uh, and it, you really see him kind of like shine. The rest of the acting is okay, you know. Yeah. I think that, I I think, it's weird. I I wanted to watch the visit before we did this talk because everyone hails that as kind of M Night Shyamalan. This was his return to yeah. greatness. That's what um, I've heard too. And and I haven't seen this movie yet, so I I will report on that hopefully uh, with the glass talk. 
but you know, I remember when we were uh, kids, and M Night was at the fucking top of his game, man. Yeah. This guy was making, you know, bangers, and you know, in a way that, you know, no no horror guy has really kind of come up and done singularly. They're one-off guys, and there are now really great horror TV shows. But yeah. there, there's nobody who really stepped in to fill you know, his shoes until maybe even Jordan Peele, but we'll see what happens with all that. You have to make one, you have to make more than two <laughs> right. uh, scary movies. D- uh, have you seen the trailer for Jordan Peele's new movie? Fucking f- amazing. Oh my God. Ma- I, uh, it looks terrifying. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's just, he's on a new level right now. Uh, okay. So split. Uh, yeah. I like this movie. I saw it in the theater. I loved the climax. I thought the action was, was kind of, dull i thought it was also tight this movie is like an hour and 30 right it's really short it was i I would say maybe hour 45 um i remember this movie flying by um yeah it was okay i watched it last night so it was yeah it was like it's definitely under two which is nice you don't get that all that often anymore um but you know there and it, it moves pretty well right like it's like as soon as the movie it's paced really well yeah as soon as it starts like within minutes the girls are captured and yeah. you know it's and the cap and the capture is fantastic yeah the capture is really unnerving and and fun yeah um because and i, I think that's what it is it's like this movie is about uh the character of, of kevin and his his other identities and like you couldn't market it otherwise without saying like okay he's gonna capture these girls right like I think it, it was smart to to go down that route. Like, this is what you're getting. You're getting this 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 story of this man that's kind of gone off the rails. Um, so yeah, to, for it to happen instantly is good. Um, yeah. Um, what's her name? Anya Taylor Joy does a pretty good job. Like, she kind of is is the other lead to this movie, right? Um, yeah, she's the girl. She looks like. Uh... Kind of like Miranda Crossgrove from School of Rock a little bit, I think. Yeah, uh, a little bit. Um, uh, yeah, uh, she's forgettable, dude. Th- this movie, yeah. like, th- this movie is starts and ends with McAvoy, man. Like, yeah. this is McAvoy saying, "You think I'm just Professor X? Like, fuck you! Like, I'm gonna do- jump into this." Yeah. I'd also like to briefly mention kind of the controversy that surrounded this movie as it came out. Mm-hmm. People were really pissed, and I think rightfully so, at the way this portrays people with dissociative personality disorder. Yeah, um, it's not accurate. Uh, it's not how people are, and I, I think that that's maybe one of the missteps of of, of this. Um, I don't want to say universe, but I want to say film because I, I don't think that give. Like, I don't know if Glass's uh, disease that he had in the, in the in Unbreakable is real or not. Doesn't matter. Uh, the fact of the matter is that this is a real disease and we should have maybe fictionalized it or made it a little bit more goofy for the, the, the idea yeah. of a comic book movie so that we're not, uh, you know, showing something that isn't true. Right. And showing something that's really outdated and doesn't exist. Well, and so that's the thing for me upon watching it after Unbreakable and knowing that it's set in this universe, there is dialogue with like with the doctor that as she's talking about at the conference and everything that is saying that, yeah, you're right. And that it's, it she, there, she's still talking about a, a real disease, but she, the way she's talking about this character, yeah, that, okay, like he's yeah, kind of unlocked that. something supernatural and there's something different about him that hasn't been seen before. Um, and so I, I think that's maybe the direction that they're going into with glass. Okay. Um, I, I guess for me, though, like, I, I don't know. Do you have anything else to say about Split specifically before we kind of move on to just, like, what we think about the upcoming movie? No. I, you know, I remember walking out and seeing Bruce Willis and being like, oh, now I got to go watch Unbreakable two years later. Done. Check. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess for me, my fear is that because McAvoy was so good in Split, I I'm afraid that he's going to get the short end of the stick in this movie and that it's really going to serve as a sequel to Unbreakable um, with, uh, you know, Kevin Wendell Crumb and his other identities 
as kind of like the act one, act two villain that they ha- that he has oh. to fight, you know? Which uh, we have different opinions on this. Go ahead. Because I, I'm just I think that it's very he he provides a very strong role, but like I I I think it's gonna be very much um, Mr. Glass aptly titled film, you know, twisting the strings and mm. and um, it, it's going to be, you know, like in, in Unbreakable, you have your your mental villain and your physical villain and that, you know, the Beast mm. character is going to be that physical villain. So I, and, and this could be a, this could be just high, this could just be high hopes for me. Um, I think <sighs> For me, this is this movie is relying on the fact that you're seeing all three. I think it's going to be about the three of them kind of coming together because they are superheroes and something else is going to happen. A la kind of like the X-Men, how the X-Men are always teamed up by, uh, like they always team up against other people. Yeah. And that they're going to use this movie to kind of make a little M. Night Shyamalan World Avengers and that we're going to see them kind of all have to work together to you know kind of usher in a new era of accepted superheroism but that could be wrong you know yeah i'm 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 really just excited to see yeah this film i'm bummed that it's getting trounced in the fucking uh ratings and reviews right now yeah that is that is disappointing to see um you know i i I have seen the trailer uh, not recently enough to really remember but it it almost seems like they start in in either a mental hospital or like, I don't think they're in prison um yeah you have Sarah Paulson's character as like some kind of psychologist right so whether that means that that's the thing that's weird because split like uh David Dunn and Kevin are out in the world so they have to explain how they get to into this well, they're not really out in the world man they're out in Philadelphia yeah <laughs> So, fair, uh, fair enough. you know, so, but they're not, you know, they're not arrested. They're like, they're just kind of living their lives. Well, I don't, I don't know how, like, to me, it's so awesome that M Night's world is in Philadelphia. To me, it, it does. It reminds me of the Avengers. It's like, they're all set in New York. They all kind of here. All of his movies are in Philly. I wish they were all connected. Uh, they're not, that's fine. He could connect some of them. Uh, but you know, I think this is his chance to do that. I think that he knows that after Earth kind of prevented him from probably getting tapped from a Marvel or a DC to come and do a big project. And I think that this is his chance to say, like, hey, like, I want to do this. I'm interested in this, too. Uh, let's see what I can do. Um, and I, I hope it's good. If Listen, if it sucks, we're going to say that. We like to say when movies, you know, disappoint us. It's also interesting when movies surprise us, like who the fuck knew that hotel Artemis was going to be a thing, you know, like, you know, and this to me seems very much in that vein of, you know, alternative sci-fi, you know, action that is not an, uh, an Avenger an X-Men or a star war. Right. And, and because it's not one of those things, I feel like it can easily get overlooked. It's coming out in January. Um, you know, there's homework that you have to do. Like we just did. You have to see the other movies. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Um, I I'm looking forward to seeing it. I I really really like Bruce Willis. Like uh, he he's someone yeah, that he's... I you know I, every time I see him on screen, I was like, oh yeah, he's really great, isn't he? And like we well, know he no he has his ups and his downs. But like what I love about Bruce Willis now is like, did you see him on bumping mics with David Tell and Jeff Ross? And he's just like no full on taking jokes and taking shit and just like looks cool <laughs> and doesn't give a shit. And, like, he's, like, kind of ascended to, like, that level now. Yeah. Like, when Bruce Willis took himself too seriously and is too cool all the time, I don't like that Bruce Willis. Sure. Especially when he goes and he makes a movie like The Fucking Kid. Disney's The Fucking Kid. And he's, <laughs> and he's like, oh, you're not silly, but you just made this fucking silly Disney movie? What the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, I want to see I want to see Bruce Willis accept who he is and be badass and just be fun and accept that you just got to be cool and enjoy it, man. Like, how many of the how many movies of these does he has does he have left? You know, like yeah. how many really convincing action roles can Bruce Willis continue to play? I'll give you that he's bald and he'll stay ageless forever. This is one of the true superpowers of bald people. We don't really have to age. <laughs> yeah, you know? I mean, he's kind of looked the, the same way for the past thirty years, right? With with the aiding of certain computer technologies. 
Bruce Willis will continue to remain roughly 45 for the rest of his life. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I'm down. Like, if this, I want to see a good project with him in it. From going back to Kennedy, even though it's a fake fucking space movie, I am so down to watch Armageddon. I don't know how or when I'm going to watch oh, it. Oh, man, you're right. I forgot I'm he's so in that, too. To watch he's it. so good in that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Bruce, we love you. Sam you know, Jackson, of course we Sam, love you. Oh, my God. Just... Sam, ja- Sam Jackson. He listed his five favorite characters. Mace Windu was above uh, uh, Nick Fury. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like. And that's how much he fucking loved it. And he loved it, man. Purple lightsaber, swaggering ass Jedi. Like, he's the fucking man. Uh, Mace Windu spin off all day. Why that, why that wasn't, at least in the first slot of movies, I don't know. Okay, sorry. Listen, everybody. We love you. It's been great podcasting with y'all today, but we got to keep this uh, podcast so that Frankie isn't editing for the next three days. Um <laughs> Okay, um, so uh, I'm AJ. I'm Frank. Please uh, go ahead. You can uh, like and su- like and subscribe. Please subscribe to the podcast on Apple uh, or an RSS feed, whatever you choose. Uh, please make sure to give us a like on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us using the using the handle at LLH Podcast. You can check out our website, which is www.longlostheroes.net, and you can also email us info at longlostheroes.net for any questions or uh, interesting topics you'd like to hear discussed. Um, Yeah, thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Yep, thank you so much. Our next episode will be covering Glass, full movie uh, discussion with spoilers, so go check it out if you haven't already, and uh, we will resume in the next couple of weeks on some other fun movie news. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.